Hello and welcome to the Keep It Local Maine podcast where we tell the stories of local business owners and Maine residents and learn more about what they do, who and what inspires them, their challenges, successes, and more. My name is Todd Regalinski. And I am Kimberly Regalinski. And we are the publishers of Keep It Local Maine, a local magazine that helps showcase local businesses to the people in and around their communities. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast that you can subscribe to on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can learn more about us at keepitlocalmaine.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through the links in the show notes. This episode is sponsored by Fabian Oil, a family-owned and operated business that offers heating oil and propane delivery services and repairs. Fabian has been serving Central and Northern Maine with propane and oil for over 30 years. As a local Maine business, they cherish the relationships they have formed by serving the people of their communities. In 2019, Fabian entered the Southern Maine region with a heating oil acquisition, and they have recently brought propane to the market. They are aggressive and would love to be your supplier. Give them a call at 207-793-2044 or visit FabianOil.com. In this episode, we'll be talking with Jeff Iaquesa, the president and general manager of the Portland Sea Dogs, the AA affiliate of the Boston Red Sox. Jeff began his career with the team as an intern in 2001 and was hired as director of group sales prior to the 2002 season. In 2004, he became the director of sales and promotions. After the 2006 season, he was promoted to the assistant general manager for sales and promotions. And in 2018, he was promoted to president and general manager. Jeff was honored as the 2015 Eastern League Executive of the Year. And in 2011, he was named to the Portland Press Herald's 40 Under 40 list, recognizing 40 local business leaders under the age of 40. He's a graduate of the University of Massachusetts at Amherst with a degree in sports management. In addition to his work with the Sea Dogs, Jeff serves on the People's Choice Credit Union Board of Directors and the Maine Children's Cancer Program Board of Directors. Welcome to the show, Jeff. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. This is great. First of all, congratulations on your 21st year with the Sea Dogs. That's, That's super exciting. 21 years. It's, been, it's hard to believe it's been that long, but a uh, wonderful organization and, and really very fortunate to be here. That's fantastic. How rare is it for someone to spend that amount of time with one team? And what, is that, what does that mean to you personally? You know, it's funny you ask. Uh, there, there, it seems to be feast or famine on that. It seems like around the, around the industry, you're either at a team for a long time like that, or you're at a team for a very short period of time and kind of transition from team to team. You know, for me, Personally, having the opportunity to be up here, living in Maine, working in Portland and working for our ownership group and for the AA affiliate of the Red Sox is just really I couldn't ask for anything more. Every day is a challenge. Every day is fun, but it's challenging, which is great. And I've always said as long as the position is challenging, it's something that I want to do. And then obviously the last 14 months have been a, a big challenge. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, for, for people always ask, you know, we're, I'm, I'm the GM of a AA baseball team. Do you want to go on to AAA or do you want to go into the big leagues? And when you're working on the business side of a minor mm-hmm. league team, it's way more about the market that you're in, which Portland's a great market and your ownership group mm-hmm. and, and Bill Burke and Sally McMahon are tremendous, tremendous owners. So um, couldn't be more fortunate to be here. That's great. So can you give us a little background? Like how did you start with the team? Definitely. So I grew up huge baseball fan, loved baseball, uh, ended up going to the University of Massachusetts Amherst and in, in studying sport management and getting my degree in sport management. And when I was there, I, I knew I wanted to work in baseball. So I was part of the internship track 
uh, interviewed with several minor league teams over the course of a couple of days in the fall before I graduated and got offered the internship opportunity to come up here to Portland. My advisor said, you got to take that one. It's one of the best internship programs they have. So mm-hmm. ended up interning here during the 2001 season, then was fortunate enough to get hired full time after that and, and have been here since. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's I mean, I mean, literally working your way up right from, you know, about the bottom. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's any posi- I mean, the only thing you can do before that is spreading grass seed and, you know, chalking the lines. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, at that point, was it was it the Red Sox? Were they the Red Sox affiliate, or was that still in the Marlins era? We were still the Marlins then. So I had two seasons with the Marlins, and then we switched to the Red Sox for the 2003 mm-hmm. season, and obviously I've been mm-hmm. with them since. Okay, I, I always get that confused because I, I'm I'm also from from away, and and which is kind of nice that you know little company here on the on the podcast for someone <laughs> yeah. like myself who's from away. I I won't hold it against you that you went to UMass. I went to UNH myself. <laughs> All <so>. right. <laughs> 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 but uh, what have been some of the biggest changes that you've seen in your time with the Sea Dogs in the business of minor league baseball and and even just the team itself? Yeah, I, th- there's been a lot, and it's been pretty amazing when you think back and look at the biggest changes. You know, from a business standpoint, I'd say social media, um, mm-hmm. easily social media, and and the advent of of the iPhone, iPad, you know, devices that you carry with you and you can get information on. You know, both of those have changed the industry. And, and I think I've changed it for the better. It, it allows us, as it does for many businesses, to be able to connect directly with fans, get feedback from fans, both positive and negative, but also mm-hmm. send out information about upcoming events that we have, information about players that, that we have coming and going. It just, it's amazing how that has changed, you know, obviously changed the world, but obviously changed our business as well is, is the advent of social media and, and the phones. And then, you know, from the baseball standpoint, I think the, uh, the, industry has changed tremendously in how players are developed and using analytics nutrition it sounds silly but nutrition has evolved tremendously Hmm. over that time the focus on nutrition for the players no more peanut butter and jelly or pizza and stuff (laughs) pre-game post-game it's all all very very big focus on nutrition as well so it's Hmm. it's evolved quite a bit and i I always say that in 21 years it's evolved between social media and in that aspect those aspects but you know we could sit here five years from now, and just in the next five years, I'm sure it's going to evolve in ways that we can't even imagine right now, too. Hmm. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And I has the has social media kind of helped in terms of building a relationship between players and the fans because it's it's kind of a tough spot you're in. I mean, you're building a team, but at the same time, that team is going to constantly change. You have players coming and going. And then maybe even coming back and and all of that. Do you feel like social media kind of helps with that to form an, a bit of an identity with the fans? It definitely does because you get to see their personalities way mm-hmm. more than you than you would otherwise. Um, you know, we still do a lot of the community events or you know pre COVID and after COVID. Will as far as school appearances and clinics and things like that go, but you get to kind of see take a peek behind the curtain of of who they are personality wise and connect with them in that way so i, I definitely think it ties them in with our fans and with the community even more so and in you know it casts a much wider net for your quote unquote community as well you can be anywhere in the world and connecting with these sea dog players mm. and i think that makes it really great too that's yeah. true hadn't thought of that yeah and actually a, a, a kind of a selfish question for myself because i i kind of want to understand this because um, I grew up going to, you know, minor league hockey games, uh, you know, with my dad going to the Mariners and then also 
you know, going to way, way back in the way back machine, going to like the main guides mm-hmm. and, you know, even yeah. in the, uh, the sea dogs, even for a while there too. But it's, what is the, what is it like in double A? Like, what is that kind of level of the minor league system as far as developing players and what, what is the, the organization's role in that process and getting players to the major leagues? Mm. That's a great question. And, you know, for us, for the double A level, it's, it's a lot of times where you see, uh, it's, it's known as the prospect level. So triple A, you've got some prospects there, but you also have some major league kind of guys that can fill the roster at the major league level. If you have an injury or you need a bullpen arm, whereas double A it's, it's younger, it tends to be younger players and, and up and coming prospects. And, you know, that's, that's really one of the great things about being the double A affiliate is, you know, fan, Red Sox fans care about the minor league system because they care a lot about the big league team. And they understand that the mm-hmm. players of tomorrow are coming up today with the sea dogs. And so having those younger prospects, seeing them on their way up, seeing them get their work in, seeing them get improve, improving and being promoted to AAA, um, it's really a unique experience for our fans. It's actually one of the most difficult jumps in in professional baseball is the single A level to double A because you have two single A teams. You have a low A and a high A. So you have really uh, you know, tw- two 25-player rosters at the single A level. So you're you know, talking about 50 players. And only a 25-player roster at the Double A level, so it really is a difficult jump to go from Single A to Double A. And, and once you make it there, you're really, um, you know, on your way, mm-hmm. so to speak, to the big league. So it, it really is a, a, a high level of play. Um, mm-hmm. and, and several players are you're going to see here that are going to go on to have uh, good, successful major league careers. Mm. Yeah, that's I always think that's interesting. How many players you you can trace right back to Portland? who have not only been on the Red Sox roster, but have had a, an, a huge impact Definitely. at that level. Yeah. I like what you said there. The players of tomorrow are coming up today. That's really cool just to look at it that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just to, to visualize that. That's yeah, really cool. it is. It, it's, it's been a great, and, and, you know, we, we did very well and we're supported very well at the Marlins affiliate, but being in the heart of Red Sox country and, and just having our fans be able to turn on the TV at night or listen to the radio broadcast of the Red Sox and seeing how many former Sea Dogs are impactful at the big league level. It's mm. great. And we like to brag, they've won four, four world championships since we've been their affiliate. So some success there too. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. And I mean, let's, let's see, you got Pedroia. Well, Lester played in, in Portland, right? Definitely. Yep. Yep. Mookie definitely played in, in Portland. Mookie, Jackie Bradley Jr., Andrew, uh, yep, Andrew Benatendi. Right. Yeah, quite Christian yeah. Vasquez. I mean, the, the list is pretty long. I think we're over 200 players now at this point who played with us since the, we were affiliated with the Red Sox who have gone on to play at the big league. So it's, it's, it's quite a list. Wow. And we yeah. even had David and, Ortiz as a rehab. So you can claim him for, for three games as well. Hey, you know, if you, if you can, why not? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I... I would have loved to have made one of those games or, or been able to see that. That would that would have just been really cool. I yeah. was that's probably one of the first legit chances you have of someone parking a ball on two ninety five. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's great. So let me ask you this: What is the season going to look like for fans coming out to Hadlock Field this year? How is it going to look different? You know, it's a great question and. I think one of the, and I'll answer it, and I think one of the things to keep in mind is I think it's going to continue to evolve as we move through the summer. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, it's different than, than pre-COVID was, uh, but we've mm-hmm. taken a lot of steps to make sure that we can have a safe environment for fans. We're at 28% mm-hmm. capacity, which means 72% of our seats are blocked off. 
Uh, we're asking all fans to wear a mask when you're not actively eating and drinking. And you'll be in pods of seats. So we have pods anywhere ranging from a single all the way up to eight um, scattered throughout the ballpark. They're all at least six feet away from the next pod closest to them. And really, you know, through the first homestand, it's been a really big success. Fans have, have really embraced it. People feel like they're in a safe environment. They don't feel like that strangers are on top of them, so to speak, at the game. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we're really trying to create is a, a great, safe environment for fans to be able to get back out and, and enjoy a game. And the second piece that, that's much different and it's been a big success is that we're doing all in-seat delivery for food orders. So you can order mm-hmm. right from your phone and we'll bring it up to you. Or if you're not comfortable ordering from your phone, we've got some folks walking around with iPads that will take the order for you. And you don't need to go down to the concourse and stand in line. We'll we'll process the order and bring it right up to your seat so you don't miss any of the game action. That's fantastic. That's really appealing to oh Kim. Oh my gosh, One of that's her really things is going to like hotels where they have like a little flag <laughs> so you can sit by the pool and just put the flag up I and love the flag. comes over and gets a drink the for you. The flag is my favorite. That that this reminds me of the flag. It's, it's, it's like it's exciting. Very similar, exactly. And, and it's been embraced so far by by our fans. It's been great. So it, the the challenge for us is going to be, you know, we, we can do it with 2,000 fans. Can we do it with 7,000 fans? And that's right. something we're going to have to yeah. see about scaling. But um, it's been a big success so far and certainly embraced by the fans that have come to the game already. That's great. Wow. That's great. That's so cool. I mean, just off offhand, I mean, this has got to have been a, a – you and your staff already have a busy offseason, I imagine. I mean, there's so so little offseason in sports anyways. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this must have added a lot to your workload coming up with a plan like this. And then also, you know, what the next two or three iterations of that plan look like. There's no doubt it did. And, and we as a staff really set out last summer and started laying out what the plans are going to be. We knew if we went back to normal, that we would know how to do that. That's, that's what mm-hmm. we do. We do normal, we do 7,000 fans. So we actually really set out and tried to lay out what is it going to look like with social distancing and, and how can we make it a safe environment so fans will feel comfortable coming out and attending mm-hmm. the game. So there was a lot of planning, a lot of preparing, a lot of conversations with the state. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, through the first homestand, things have gone pretty well. There's really not too many adjustments we need to make to this point. We just we had a lot of time to think about it, but we also needed a plan for the season for our promotions and various things like that as well. So, you know, one thing about our staff is everybody works extremely hard and everybody's committed to making sure we put on the best experience we can for uh, our fans, and that's what we were able to do, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So, what are your expectations for the team this year? And of course, that's taking into account all of the factors of players coming, going, and all that. Uh, and how does that work with the goals of what the Red Sox are trying to accomplish this year? Well, I think they they dovetail nicely with each other. I, our team, you know, through the first six games or five and one, it's it's. I don't want to say we expected to start five and one, but we've got a really talented roster. There's quite a few um, prospects coming up right now through the Red Sox system. A lot of talent really top to bottom, both offensively, defensively, and in, in pitching. So off to a, a promising start. Obviously, it's a long way to go. But like every double A season, you know, what we want for these players is to get promoted to triple A and eventually get promoted to the big league. So the more and more success you have, the more and more players are going to leave and go to triple A, uh, which is what you want. And then, you know, you hope the guys from single A coming up can can carry the torch, so to speak, and continue that success. So I think we're going to have a, a very successful season from a win-loss standpoint. But most importantly, and this is what's really important to the Red Sox, is I think we're going to develop players that are going to go on and be impactful at triple A and then eventually be impactful in the big leagues. Now, when you when you bring in those new players from, from single A, I mean, just, I, I mean, not to get too, you know, 
insider baseball, but what does the process look like that for you and, and the team? Because obviously coming to a new area, new level of baseball, maybe a, I'm not sure. I can't remember where the other two, where the two single A affiliates are, but you know, it's got to be a, a bit of a culture change for them coming to Maine and then learning about all of this at once. It is, uh, but they try to make it as normal as as possible. And what I mean by that, it's just you show up, you get to the ballpark, grab your glove, go out, and the field is still, you know, mm. ninety feet between bases, sixty feet six inches between the the pitching mound and home plate, and you try to make it as normal as possible. We do a little bit of orientation um, to make sure that the players know things outside the ballpark, you know, where they're staying, mm. you know, where, where they can go if they need various needs. But for the most part, it's just, it, it's kind of what they're used to being kind of graduating from level to level. And it's usually, there's a lot of excitement because if you're going from single A to double A, you've been promoted. Uh, but mm. you also try to make it seem as normal as possible. So it doesn't seem like it's this big deal and the players get wide-eyed. They don't, they, they come in and they continue to work. The other piece of it is, mm-hmm. is a lot of the players have been in the system together for a number of years. So when you do get promoted, you're kind of get meeting back up with some players who you've played with over the last couple of years. So there's some familiarity with that as well. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. True. Yeah. That's great. What are some of the ticket packages and promotions you have coming up for the season? Yeah, it's a great question. So from a ticketing standpoint, because of all the COVID restrictions, we're actually going month to month. Um, so mm-hmm. on May 12th, where we put our tickets on sale for June and then mid June, we'll put our tickets on sale for July and so on and so forth. That really allows us to kind of stay agile and adjust as, as can, things change uh, within Maine and restrictions change within Maine. So that's been really successful and, and fans have really kind of embraced that model. It's not something I think we'd adopt moving forward, but for this year with COVID, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And then promotions, we're trying to keep things as, as regular and normal as we do in previous years. So we actually have five bobblehead promotions planned and we've got one coming up on our first one coming up on May 26th for the first 500 fans. It's a Bobby Dahlbach home run counter bobblehead, which are always really popular. Mm-hmm. We also have our first of five fireworks shows coming up on May 28th. Fireworks are always one of our most popular games, um, great cool. games for families to come to. Uh, and then our superhero day planned for May 30th. So, uh, you know, various promotions just like that throughout the season. We're trying to keep things as normal, even though crowds are reduced, as normal from a, a fan experience standpoint as, as we can get and continue to entertain fans. It's one of the big reasons why, Uh, you know fans come out there's the baseball on the field and Mm -hmm. baseball fans will come out for that but we really try to give everybody a reason to want to come whether it's the promotions whether it's the food giveaways various things like that we always try to give everybody a different reason for wanting to come out to a game that's great yeah and Hadlock is such a great place to go for a game I've ever from the first time I went there I was like this is this is really cool and and that was way back when you know, all the stuff in the outfield, you know, the, the new bullpens and all that wasn't there. And, you know, it was just a lot, a lot different from what it is now. But I mean, it's just such a great ballpark. It has to be one of the better ones in the minor leagues, I would think. Mm, it's a great place. We, we're biased. We think so. But we're, we're biased. <laughs> I didn't mean to lead you on that one. But <laughs> Uh, so, uh, what you, you've obviously been being with the sea dogs for a couple decades here. Yeah. What are some of your most memorable moments from your time with the team? Oh, that's a great question. I, I've got so many of them. I've got, I've got great ones and I've got ones that you, that you just soon forget. One of the, one of the ones <laughs> that I love is, is 2001 was a year, my intern year. And that was a year that we had the helicopter come in to dry off the infield and, yes. and 
to this day, people will tell you, oh, you had the helicopter there two years ago. Or, oh, la remember last winter you had the helicopter there. We've had the helicopter here once, and that was in April of 2001. But people still remember it like it was last year. Um, you know, and it was, it was a challenge. We, we got a, a foot of snow a week before opening day and it was melting slow and the infield was wet. And, um, you know, Charlie Eschback, our original president GM kind of came up with that idea and it was twofold. It was maybe seeing if it could dry it out, but also from a promotion standpoint, it still holds to this day. People still think it was a year or two ago when it was in fact that's 20 years funny. ago. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's one. I think winning the East, you know, seeing the team win the Eastern League Championship in 2006 was a great memory. Hosting the All-Star Game in 2005 and 2015 are all great memories. Seeing mm -hmm. players like Mookie Betts and David Ortiz come through here are all great memories. There's, there's just so many mm -hmm. great experiences that when you stop and think. But, th you know, those are some of the ones that, that certainly come to mind pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Any Any of those moments where you're just like, oh boy we we can never do that again or it, it was sort of like mark it down like okay yeah no not today, not next time the, you know you know there's there's some of those but none that like mortify you to the point of oh wow you know there, there's things that you try and that's part of this business and that's part of any business is yeah. you try things out and and they don't necessarily go the way that you plan and, and you just don't end up doing them one of the things that we do and i know a lot of teams do it is when our season ends each fall we get together as a staff and we kind of look at everything that we did that season and and decide what we want to try, what we want to put in place again for the following season, and then new ideas to try. So that really kind of helps weed out some of those ideas, but it also helps create some ideas that are successful mm -hmm. and aren't successful. But um, I've always felt like, you know, if people are passionate about an idea, uh, we should let them run with it, even even if we're not sure how successful it's going to be, as long as it's family friendly and appropriate, let folks mm -hmm. run with it and then see how it goes. And some of our better ideas have come from that. And, and you also need to know when something's not a great idea and you just need to step away from it after trying it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's great. You know, after 21 years, if you don't have any that are like that mortifying that they're scarring, I think that's, you've done a pretty huge. darn good job because yeah. <laughs> I bet I would have some serious scars. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you that the biggest scars are the weather ones, the ones that you can't control, yeah. the snow right before opening day, shoveling the field, yeah. different things like that, rain outs. Those are the ones that, that you know, Mother Nature has her plan and, and that's just how you have to reply. But those yeah. are some of the, the not so great memories. But again, nothing that we can really control. Yeah. yeah. Hey, but that's, that's Maine, yeah, you know, that's what you get. Spring comes around and then it comes around again and it comes around again. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Exactly. So let me ask you this. How do you define success? You know, that's a great question. I, I think for us, it's us as an organization working together to, you know, achieve a, a goal that we're working towards and, and whether that's, um, you know, a, a fundraiser that we're doing for a charity or whether that's a specific game promotion. Um, I think success comes in many different forms. Um, mm -hmm. And what what we as an organization sees as a, a success, maybe a different organization sees it differently. But I think just mm -hmm. as us as a front office staff all coming together, working towards a common goal and um, and accomplishing what whatever that goal might be, I think is mm -hmm. is how I would look at success. And you know, this year, what we're going to see as a, as a successful season, you know, from an attendance standpoint and, you know, from a, a financial standpoint, certainly isn't a success when you compare it to 2019, but it's going to be a huge success just compared to what we went through in 2020. So it's constantly evolving, but I really think mm -hmm. just us as a group working together for the common goal and trying to accomplish that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's going to be some serious asterisks next to you know 2020 2021 yeah. everything Definitely. you know in terms of 
I just I look at you know, oh uh, you know this movie was in theaters. It had it was the top of the box office with eight million dollars. I'm like, wow, that's like 1917 numbers for <laughs> for yeah. how that would have worked. It's crazy how that's you're you're just going to see this weird dip those two years on every chart for almost right. everything. It is, right. yeah. And, and you ask about the memories. I think. I think, you know, five to seven years from now or 10 years from now, this this stretch will certainly be a, a challenging memory. But I also look mm-hmm. at it as as I think that we've had a lot of success in the last 13 months because of how we've we've been able to handle things and, and treat people. And mm-hmm. so as tough as it's been, I, I would still say to this point, and we're still got a long way to go. We as a group and as an organization have been able to, to do some things successfully despite the challenges that are in front of us. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, totally. So uh, another question that we always enjoy asking is, who or what inspires you, either professionally or personally? You know, that's a great question. I, I think it has to come to family. I think, you know, my parents inspired me with how they approach things. You know, honesty is the best policy, work hard, and, and good things will come to you. So that always inspired me. I think, you know, my wife falls under that same category, and my son, I, 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 we have a 13-year-old son, and you know, I think he inspires us uh, us every day with with the things that mm-hmm. he's learning and evolving and, and the person that he's becoming. So I, I definitely think the biggest inspirations around me are, are my family. Um, you know, my parents, my wife and my son definitely inspire me the most. Mm. That's awesome. So as a Mainer, what is your... Wait, wait, hang on. You have to say that right. <sighs> All right. As a Mainer. There you go. <laughs> What is your favorite part, would you say, of living Maine? What do you love about living in Maine? I love the quality of life. I love that you can go spend the summers going to the beach and the winters skiing. Um, mm. I, I, I love the, the people that are here, the community that, that it is um, that we live in and the, the support that you get, you know, when, when things aren't mm-hmm. going great, the, the support you get from, from, you know, our fans and our community. And when things are going really well, that same support, I, I just, I think the quality of life beats a lot of places where you can be. And, um, I, I can't say enough about it. And that's why people always ask, well, where do you go from here? And it's like, hopefully I can stay here for quite a long time because it's, mm-hmm. it's just such a great place to be. And like I said, just the, all the different activities and things you can do over the course of a year, I think makes it really incredible. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, as long as you can't do spring skiing from you know the box seats down to the field, exactly. Fine. Exactly, I agree with that completely. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! But you know, you always have that helicopter on standby. I guess exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eventually, it's going to evolve into you know they own a helicopter. Yeah. They keep it out at the jet port and they bring it in every year. Exactly. I, actually, I I shouldn't have even said that because now we've started a rumor. Yeah. Oh boy, it's a rumor that's persisted for twenty years, so it, it'll keep yeah, going i'm sure yeah. it's now folklore it's yeah, not even it's, it's just it's become its own thing yeah. exactly which is kind of cool really you know yeah. well jeff thank you so much for taking time out of your day for for sharing your story with us for talking about the sea dogs yes. and, and letting us know what's happening uh we wish you great success this season both uh just in terms of keeping people safe at hadlock and keeping things running smoothly yeah. and adapting to all that and also on the field uh we're we're rooting for you and and for the team and we're looking forward to getting out some games ourselves this year and uh you know just wish you all the success thank you very much absolutely it it really is a great pleasure to be joining i really appreciate you having me on today we're excited we're excited to come see some games so i'm so excited about 
the the food. You're you're excited to be, number one, you're excited to be out anywhere. And two, you're really excited about the resort treatment. The resort treatment for food. (laughs) I like that comparison, definitely. (laughs) Yes, that's so cool. So I'll be sure that I put uh, links to uh, ticket sales, schedule, all of that, uh, all the social media pages in in the show notes so people can follow the Sea Dogs and also get their tickets. And uh, and once again, Jeff, have a great day and uh, a great season. Thank Thank you. you, Jeff. Thank you very much. Thank you again to our sponsor, Fabian Oil. Be sure to contact them for all your propane and heating oil needs using the information in the show notes. And thank you for listening.